Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It is March 10th, 2016, and I'm your host, James Jones. With me today, Mr. John Lindemann. A pleasure, James. It's such a pleasure you forgot we were recording tonight. Hmm. Mr. Greg Leahy. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna let, let no, Joe no, defend no, himself. No, 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 no! I'm starting at positive vibes. It's like Kanye West. All positive vibes. All positive vibes. The life of Lindemann. Uh, you're gonna drop a track on title after this, aren't you? Just, just, yep. just, just <laughs> only just, on title though. Only. Straight. Turn me a new ass. All right. Slay. Hello. No, oh, hey, everyone. <laughs> it's a formality, is the one. Yes, the formalities. <laughs> Mr. Keon Bayat. Yeah, surprise guest. Surprise guest, Mr. Keon Bayat. This is uh, episode 467. And if you have missed out, we dropped two episode 466s last week. One that was covering the retroactive. Jeez. One that was covering the um, Nintendo Direct that was actually released on Thursday, the day of the Direct. And then one that covered our spoiler cast for Xenoblade Chronicles X. Additionally, if you didn't hear it, Dr. Metz performed his book interview of frequent guest Michael T.Y.P. Cole, which was also on this feed. So potentially, you've had three podcasts drop in the last week before this one. And if you missed any of those, you can go back and listen to them right now. But this is a new day, a new podcast. And like I said, it's 467. And on that... It is time for a new business. And John, what haven't you forgotten about? I haven't forgotten about Pokemon Yellow. As I mean, as much as I wanted to bring a PS4 game to this podcast. <laughs> Did somebody pressure you into buying this before a major con? No, see, that's the thing. This this game, this this was, I bought this just just for old time's sake. Um, I hadn't, I you know, these Pokemon games, I mean, my history would dictate that when a new Pokemon game is released, I usually buy it. I'm a sucker for Pokemon games. Not that I actually play all the way through them and finish them, but man, I'm a sucker for buying Pokemon games. So, now I do own Pokemon Blue. I bought it way back when it launched, and I never finished it. When it launched as a Game Boy cartridge, to be clear. Yes, yes, because at one point I did own a Game Boy Color. So, because I never owned... Yeah, I never owned the original Game Boy... But I did get a Game Boy Color, so I went back and got Pokemon Blue. Right? So, so not winnable. Okay. So I never played through that. And I, and the reason why I never did, um, I can't even remember. I, actually, and I, I can't check now because I no longer have a Game Boy to play it on. But um, I didn't finish it. I probably made it maybe four or five badges in. But I think the reason why, if I recall correctly, why I didn't finish it was because I bought the Prima Guide with it. And the problem with that is that it got me into the cycle of wanting to min-max every single Pokemon I got because I could see when I got a Pokemon, I turned into this like Pokemizer where I was like, I must, I must evolve this Pokemon in the maximum, in, in the optimal way in order to get, you know, this Pokemon down the line. And so I wound up actually, rather than playing through the game and enjoying it, I wound up like sitting there in like the early areas of the game, just kind of sitting there grinding my Pokemons and trying to like, you know, set them up exactly how the Prima Guide said I should. It's just I had I I knew too much right off the bat. So Pokemaestro. I was trying to be a Pokemaestro. I wound up being a Poke Loser. Um but yeah, so when this came out, it, one of the things that kind of attracted me to uh to Yellow was the fact that, you know, it was on Game Boy Color, so it was, it's, it's kind of the best version of the original games, you know, because, I mean, there's some color, but the colors aren't, I mean, it's not that great. But, it's, I mean, they, it's sort of the equivalent of a game made for the, uh, the Super Game Boy. Yeah. Like, there, there's a, there's a defined color palette. Yep. So, so it looks a bit better, but not a whole lot. It's really not a big drawing point. But what I do like is, number one, I like the fact that I can play it on my 3DS. That's awesome. Cause I, you know, I can, you know, I can fight, I can, Take it anywhere I want, and it looks good. Boots up, you know, plays really nicely. Uh, I also like the fact that it can tie it, that it ties into Pokemon Bank, which is cool because should I buy the new uh, Pokemon Sun Moon? Not saying I will. It's not my style to buy Pokemon games when they come out. But if I do decide to buy Pokemon Sun or Moon, I can take my Pokemon from Yellow, and using Pokemon Bank, uh, I can transfer them into Sun and Moon. So that kind of makes sense to me. That was a draw. Because otherwise, I wouldn't, I mean, 
what am I going to do if I can't do anything with those Pokemon? Yeah, I mean, they're great games, but I don't really have a a need to play through them. But at the same time, I, you know, I was kind of itching to play through Pokemon. It was kind of one of those things, you know, I go through this with other games too, like, you know, where if I haven't played a franchise for several years and one happens to come out, you know, I'll kind of be like, ah, I haven't played that for a while. So what the heck, I, I downloaded this, playing through it, really enjoying it so far. Um, it's a classic game. And, and one of the things I like about it is it has, even though it's a Game Boy game, it really does feel like an NES game. Like it's just, I mean, it came out so late in the Game Boy's life cycle um, that it doesn't even really feel like a Game Boy game. Like Game Boy games, typically to me, they always feel like they the always feel s- Yeah, they really feel scaled down, or like Metroid Metroid Two. Right. You know, they're they're obviously scaled down versions. Now, of course, a lot of the games that a lot of those games weren't specifically made for Game Boy, so there I have a point of comparison to compare them to and say that it's obviously been scaled down. But Game Boy games, they always feel like they're on a much, much smaller scale than NES games. And and these Pokemon games, they do not feel that way. They they feel like fully fleshed out. They're kind of small in scope, but you know, you can get a lot of gameplay out of them and and you know, like and of course being able to like grind up your Pokemon and kind of, you know, do whatever you want with them and, you know, have like a couple of sets of Pokemon filling out your Pokedex. There's just a lot, a lot of content in this game that typically wasn't there in Game Boy games. Um, so where I'm at right now is I just cleared out. I, I'm, I have two of the badges. I'm about 14 hours in um, because I know everybody likes to make fun of how long I take to to finish games. Thousands of hours. I got thousands of hours to go in Pokemon Yellow. I'm about 14 hours in, and I've just, uh, I just got through the SSN, so the SSN has left, which is the, the cruise ship that you go through and you fight all the Pokemons. You know, in, in one of the, and one of the things that's typical of this area of the game is they kind of do these kind of forced grinding, like Pokemon trainer gauntlets. Like, to get from point A to point B, you have to go through this section of, uh, it's, of the it's country. It's like grinding, but it's story driven. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's actually pretty well done. Like I don't mind doing it. It's you know, it's but you know, you you pretty much run through this kind of maze-like area where you'll trip every single trainer there getting through it. So, but they but it's it's well done in the sense that you know they don't uh, they don't overpower you. Um, you know, it's 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 just you know you, you always feel like you know you're you're within range of beating anybody that you come up against. Um. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I got, I got the bicycle, so now I can move around a bit quicker. Um, I just got cut, uh, not, not, not physically cut. I'm not, I'm not sitting here bleeding, but I, we I hadn't the... told you yet, John, but, uh, yeah. So finally I can go back and go back to some of these old areas and get some extra items and whatnot. Um, then pretty much the, the, the next thing I need to do is I need to go and beat the, the third trainer, which is Lieutenant Surge. So I have to rally my troops and get them ready for his uh, electricity-driven onslaught. Yeah, but so um, Pikachu's a really shitty way to start the game. Yeah, it's... I, the I, you second know, I, dungeon, of course, is water, so it's not so bad, but, yes. but one in three is, is miserable. Yeah, like, it was tough. The first one, because the first one is uh, Rock, if I remember right. correctly. It's, it's yeah. Brock. Brock the Rock Brock, trainer, yes. <laughs> Brock, of course, it's Brock the Rock. Um, yeah, you get, I mean, I, the first time I went in and, and fought him, I got, I got waxed pretty bad, um, uh, because Pikachu is completely, of course, Are you saying your rock. Weedle wasn't up to the task of fighting a, an Onyx? <laughs> exactly, I know, you fight an Onyx and he just completely smashes you. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of tough to start off the game with, and actually, they don't even really make it that easy to get, uh, Charmander. Well, actually, Charmander, they give it to you, but, um, Squirtle... Or I think I think later on you can get um, Bulbasaur. You can get him, but you have to like that's the kind of other weird thing that that I don't remember from Pokemon Red is that because because Pikachu is uh, is with you all the time. You can affect his mood. So to do certain things, you have to get him into a really good mood. So there's like one of the things I think to get you you can like have him faint and then give him a bunch of uh, of potions. And his mood will go up to the point where, like, you know, you can, you know, kind of let him, you know, other trainers will see how well you treat Pikachu, even though you just let him faint and brought him back to life. And they'll give you their Pokemon and stuff like that, which is kind of, I don't know, it's just sort of like, just give me the 
friggin' Pokemon. Don't make me jump through hoops. Um, <laughs> Don't like, make me care about this living thing. <laughs> just give me more of them. It's like, come on, I'm just going to throw the guy in my bank anyways. I'm just going to throw him into Bill's PC, and he'll sit there, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, the other thing I was able to do is, and what's cool is that they haven't patched any of the, any, any glitches in these, in the versions of these games. So I was able to glitch and get a, a level 100 Mew, which was cool. So, I mean, my, my plan with this is to, is to fill out the whole Pokedex. So get yeah. all 151. So yeah, so getting a glitching for Mew was, is actually a bit harder compared to Pokemon Red and Blue because, yep. Because you have to you have to have an Abra in your party, and to do that you have to go south of Cerulean City, which you can't do without either having Cut, which you don't get until after Cerulean City. So that's another question. Uh, but you have to go through, and you have to go through one of the Pokemon Trainer Gauntlets and get to Bill, and then Bill gives you whatever I forget what the hell Bill gives you. Um, but I thought Bill gave you Cut. No, regardless. he doesn't give you Cut. You get Cut on the he, SS he and gives from you the, the captain. Pokeflute, maybe. Ah, uh, no, I, I just did to this. clear out something else. Yeah, I just did this. What does he give you? I forget. I completely, it's just completely lost from my mind. But, but really what you do when you, when you complete the encounter with Bill, he then lets you get into a building that lets you go down south of Cerulean City to which, uh, where you can sit there and you can get Abra into your party. To which point, and then part of the glitch is really to teleport, uh, trigger a trainer and then teleport out and then, you go to this other trainer. There's actually and, and, two other trainers. And Bill is a pain in the ass. I mean, Abra's a pain in the ass to catch too. Kinda, yeah. It can it can be annoying because if you don't like, you have to use you have to use a whole lot of Pokeballs. Um, either that or put it to sleep. Right. Uh, that that's that's the main uh, thing. That's the best. The way to SS do it. ticket. It gives you the SSN ticket, right? Right. Yes. Yes. The SS ticket. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah. So the glitch actually. So the, like the glitch itself is really easy to do, but the prereqs to get there are a pain in the butt. That took me a while. It was really fun, but it took me a while because not only that is you have to the, – the trainer that you have to beat to actually get Mew, to actually trigger the point where Mew appears, it, you have to – he has a Snorlax, I think. Or no, he has a Slowpoke. That's right. Um, and to beat the Slowpoke, I think you have to – to get a level – I wanted a level 100 Mew, and in order to do that, you have to do Growl six times. I don't know how the hell people figure this stuff out, but you have to specifically – uh, yeah, specifically, editing, sure. yeah, it's definitely somebody looking at the source code or something. But you have to look, you have to, uh, you have to cast Growl on Slowpoke specifically six times, and then at that point you get a level one hundred Mew, whatever. So, so let me ask a question. Yeah, how do you catch a level one hundred Mew if you don't have Cut yet? You don't need it. You just he well he appears and he's level seven. Okay. So the first time he appears, he's level seven. So that's easy. Because okay. by that, I mean all my char- I mean all my characters. I mean I'm like you know all my characters are like level fifteen or something like that. So capturing him is not the is not the problem. Uh, what you have to then do after that is you have to find again something incredibly specific. You have to go back to like an earlier area or as far back as far back as you can go to where you're getting Pokemon that are about level nine, and you have to fight a Pokemon that will give you no more than fifty four experience points. So I fought, I forget what I fought, but it gave me 52. And at that point, uh, and of course you have, you have to have Mew in your party. Um, at that point, Mew evolves out of nowhere to 100. The so fuck? it's, it's the, it's one of the greatest glitches ever because it is so specific. You have to do like the most specific kind of random things, but it works and you can, you can actually come out of it. I didn't realize the one thing that I, I wish I wouldn't have done is, uh, the second gym trainer, there's a, there's a trainer that you can fight. With you know, because there's I think there's there's two trainers in there, and then there's the there's the the gym trainer. Yeah. Um. And I, I just yeah I just went in yeah Misty, and I just I went in and I randomly fought the guy on the right hand side, and you can also use him to get a level 100 Mew, so you can potentially come out of there with two level 100 Mews. Oh so, man. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, but I mean man. so so now I'm I'm sitting here and I'm I'm resisting the urge of just throwing my level 100 Mew in there and just face rolling the rest of the game. You could. Because, I mean, you could. You yep. could roll all the way up to the elite four. Absolutely. I mean, you I, could, I mean, it's it's one shot everything. But that's. Uh, but I'm I'm doing it normally because I actually do want to get my Pokemon up and and evolve them and stuff. But so but yeah, I, I will say people who are listening who think your idea of getting 150 Pokemon is completely nuts. I did it. Well, what does that prove? 
Well, hold on, hold on. Let me. I got a lot of time, James. <laughs> I got a I lot of time to kill, buddy. I was a kid, so I had a lot of time. But yep. there is something remarkably gratifying about getting 150 Pokemon. Like it is, it is a crazy. Like, why does this matter to me? Thing. Yeah. But like, there'll be whatever the last one is, whatever the hunt is for that last one. Like getting it, the process. Like it is the most exhilarating moment. Of like, oh, I did it. Like you said yourself, it's about the journey, not the destination. That's right. That's right. I, you I, said I, yourself. I, that's a James Jonesism right there. Right well, there. Well, yeah, we're, we're talking about buying ZX Spectrums, though. So I mean, that's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different. <laughs> yeah, this is this. This goes back to an email thread we had a couple of days back, and I just said, I, you know, because James was talking about, uh, you know, buying a Turbo Graphic 16, and I'm just like, dude, no, why, a Turbo, why would a you... turbo CD. A tur- okay, specifically a Turbo CD. Okay, that makes it even weirder. So. And I, and I said, why, why would you want to do that? I'm like, the last time, I think I said, the last time you, you did, you went down this road, you wound up with like a Timex Sinclair. And he's like, no, no, it's a ZX Spectrum and it's about the journey, not the destination. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but, but like, so what, what is, what, I mean, as someone who's never done it before, as someone who has done it, what is the hardest thing about filling out your Pokedex? Like, so what is it? With the yellow, with yellow, it's going to be tricky because red and blue were balanced against each other. Like there were Pokemon mm-hmm. that were in red that weren't in blue and the Pokemon that were blue that weren't in red. Yep. Yellow is a freaky outlier because they went and remixed the numbers. So you mm-hmm. need all three versions to get yellow to 150. Hmm. Uh, that's the hmm. challenge because yellow isn't, isn't a parallel for red or blue. So the poke, there's like seven specific, I think, in each version. Mm-hmm. And in yellow, like, there's some of those are missing from both. The, yeah. the tricky, the, the tricky part is, um, with, in any version was getting the starters and in yellow it's like as you mentioned it sort of covers that for you but in red and blue the only way to get the starters was i had red my sister had blue and i basically played blue the start of blue until you could trade seven times so each of us had each of the starters man which which is a pain in the ass because it takes like an hour Mm -hmm. and so I had all the starters for red, and she had all the starters in blue, and that was what it took. And ultimately, at some point, I had to hijack her copy of blue. Like, all right, I need to get a pincer. Give me your copy. I'm going to go fucking find a pincer, and I'll find you one too, (laughs) and we'll be fine. It's such a racket. At some point, I ended up just hijacking her her game of blue and just, just, like, we're going to go – we're going to spend a ton of money in the safari zone, and we're going to get us a pincer. Yeah. Like, like, do you have a Tauros yet? You don't have a Tauros. I've got two Tauroses. Catching a Tauros is a pain in the ass. I'll give you a Tauros, but I'm going to get a pincer. Just deal with it. I mean, so, all right. So let's, so I do have, I do have a copy of Pokemon Blue. Now, theoretically, let's just say. A physical copy, though. I have a physical copy. All right. So I have a couple of questions. How much are Game Boy Colors on eBay? Pretty cheap. Okay. All right. There's there's a lot of them out there. I'm just I'm just trying to think of how far how far a man is gonna have to go. Your, to fill your out battery his your battery is likely dead in your blue. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I've swapped batteries in Game Boy games before. It's not hard, but it's it's you have to get that dumb screwdriver that they had on the Game Boy cartridges. Yeah, um, and I've got one around, but God knows I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would just say though that that the reward for getting 150 is is. Almost like just breaking the fourth wall shit. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a, there's a place in, it might be in Celadon City, like the big city in the game where it's, you're, you're walking into the Game Freak offices. Oh, that's awesome. And, and like, yeah. there's a guy in there who's like, oh, you don't, know, you don't have all the Pokemon yet. Come back when you have them. Mm-hmm. And when you do, he's like, congratulations, you've caught all the Pokemon. Bye. <laughs> now there are some Pokemon because there are like the like like the the one shot Pokemon's right where it's like you only have one. I mean, you can obviously like just roll back your game save, but right, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the three but you can legend- fuck it up and completely the three legendary birds of Mewtwo. And in fact, in my red copy, I did fuck it up. Oh god! And I had to I had to basically steal them. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I did it was I was able to replicate a different Mew glitch that was in red. Mm-hmm. And I had Muse. I had Muse out the ass, and I traded. <laughs> I traded them to my friends for legendaries. I'm like, awesome. oh, you, oh, you want you want a Mew? I want your Articuno. Uh, nice. It's, yeah. It's like, how did you get a Mew? Don't fucking worry about it. 
Now, uh, now that see, this is this is what I think it's it, it's interesting because playing this game twenty years down the line is very interesting because now, back in like ninety ninety eight when this game came out, I mean everything was new, right? Nobody knew. Right but now, there is twenty years of like. Pokemon expertise out there on the internet. Oh, yeah. Like, you can put in any question, like, uh, at level 21, what should I train my Pikachu? Uh, should I use Slam? Or, uh, fuck, dude, boom, right there. It's like, somebody somewhere over the last 20 years has asked a question about the specific Pokemon and the specific attack and whatever, when you should do it. Like, How do I get Dragonair? Like, like that was the crate. Like, I had Dratini. Like, that shit evolves to, like, level 55. Yeah. That was, and I remember ex- explicitly, that was my last Pokemon. Was the final form of Dratini. And just yeah. like, how many times do I have to completely house the Elite Four for your ass to level up? Because I'm <laughs> like, getting, because I've beaten them like 37 times. I need you to evolve. Yeah. And it's like, I took the, like, I took the, the Helix Fossil, right? Um, and, uh, I think that gives you, uh, I forget, but anyways, they, like, it evolves into Omastar, and it's like, that happens yeah. at, like, level 40, it's like, god damn! Yeah. It's like, I gotta level this thing all the way to 40, Or you know? getting, or getting the, the infamous, I need to get a Porygon. Oh, Fuck god. me. Like, yeah. like, for me, it was just, I just kept fighting Elite Four and cashed out my money, until eventually I had enough tokens to get a Porygon. Yeah. Like, the, there, the, this game makes you do some real shit to get all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I can believe it. And what's what's a bummer is like there's no way there's no way somebody's gonna get all the Pokemon in whatever in in Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. The ask is just too high. It's just too fucking high. Yeah, and I think some people will. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there I are those I, people out there. I don't know that you can do it right now. For um, what well, was, the games aren't out. What was the last version? Um, no. it was um, X, X and Y. X and y. No, no, that was the last DS one. There was a. You're right, you're right, yeah, yeah. I don't know that you can get all the Pokemon in X and Y. Like, I don't know if there's any combination of game cartridges you can, you, all strings you can pull that lets you get everything. And there, there's now there's all these like event Pokemon that are just hard to get. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you have to sync your 3DS to the internet at like, a, like on June 15th, 2016, if you want to get like this, this Pokemon that looks like a ferret, but it's actually a grass type god Pokemon. Venus oh. and Mars have to be exactly aligned. Yeah, and, it's like yeah. Well, I well, that's what they're doing right now with Pokemon Bank. Is like if you if you uh, I think if you if you log on to Pokemon Bank with I think with um, with X X Y Omega Omega Ruby or Omega Sapphire, you can get some legendary Pokemon. It's like it, like it'll get dropped into your Pokemon Bank account, and then you can download it. So of course I just I'm, Pokemon I'm like, Direct Deposit. Yeah, of course I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh god. Want it must have all the Pokemon. Oh, uh, so it's like my will is my will is weak right now. My 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 uh, <laughs> my desire for Pokemon is the fires have been stoked. Let me just say that the you're fires. maxing out your Pokemon credit card. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But see, but it's it's funny though because it's like you know this whole thing is I've been I've been digging up the the Poke bodies so to speak. Um, so because I started, I started wondering, I started wondering one night when I'm sitting here by myself with my, with my cat, um, I was like, okay, so what other Pokemon games do I actually have? Because I remember having, I have Pokemon Pearl for sure. And I found, I found that in short order. Uh, I found the box, uh, which meant that I had to dig into another box to find all, all of my DS cartridges of which I have like, I have like 40 DS games or something like that. I was like, holy crap. I don't even remember having all these games. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I found Pokemon Pearl, so that was cool. Uh, and I knew I had Pokemon Black. So you know, so I I because I was there was one box that the I had infamous Pokemon Black Pax Edition. Yes, that was the Pax. That was the Pax East Edition. Um, and uh, and so I found that. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but I, I was so I finally found the box that had like all of my DS boxes in it, right? Um, because I knew that there was just one big stash. I couldn't find the box. And so finally I was like, this has to be it. Sure enough, I open it up and there's like 20 DS games in it. And I look and I'm like, okay, so there's Pokemon Black. And sitting there is Pokemon White version 2. And I was like, I don't even remember buying that. I don't even know if I've played it, but what? I own it. <laughs> I was like, 
I don't even remember. All right, I, all right. This is this has gotten too dark for me. Um, I, it it was. I don't know. It was weird, man. It was really weird. I was like, boy, don't even remember. I don't remember buying it. I I have. I doubt I've played it. I don't I'm know. Gonna pull, I'm, I'm gonna, pretty sure I've read that creepypasta somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna pull the ripcord on this Guillaume. <laughs> mm, sure. What have you been playing? Uh, yeah, I won't even know where to edit. Like, all that was alien language to me. But, uh, <laughs> it's all relevant. Anyway, so I've been, uh, it's been, for a while, I've wanted to play an old-school RPG, and I've got tons of them. Like, I've got a huge backlog because, of, like, between the PSP and the, I recommend the virtual console. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I've played Fire Red, and I I didn't really, uh, you, hu- really my you, hu- thing. you hush your mouth. <laughs> but yeah, so a while ago I got uh, Breath of Fire uh, came out on Wii U and it was kind of a big deal because it was part of that uh, kind of slew of Capcom games that we never got on the Wii Virtual Console and then all of a sudden Capcom Unity is like, hey bitches, we've got Mega Man Game Boy games, we've got Demon's Quest, we've got Carl's Ghost Quest, we've got the first Breath of Fire and we out, you know. Spenson so, uh, Spence lost his shit for one day. The what? Spenson. That was the uh, Capcom PR dude, oh. the VP of Capcom USA or whatever. I think he had been replaced at that point already. Oh, okay. Uh, I think he had gone. But uh, anyway, so uh, I finally started it, and I had been warned that this was a very grindy um, <laughs> early RPG. But I thought, well... You know, I'm just going to play it like I would, like we discussed a while ago, like Dragon Quest. You know, you're not supposed to just, like, walk around a town uh, grinding and then, you know, going to the inn to recharge and then keep grinding that way. No, you just push forward as as far as you can, make it as far as you can in dungeons. Then you die, and you get warped back to your last save, to the, the, the place you last saved, but with, like, half your, your, your money, but still all the experience intact, and then you try again, you know? So that was going to be my strategy. But the uh, thing I learned is that uh, Breath of Fire is really grindy, and it's really, really not that much fun. Like, the game doesn't really give you much of a pretext to go and explore. It's the basic, uh, well, you know, like, the bad guys have burn down your, your village, so they send you away to kill them and to collect the six doodads, and, uh, you know, also they kidnapped your childhood friend, probably. Um, also, she's a ma- powerful magic user, so go save her. And uh, so you set off, and uh, it's just a slog. Um, you, I tried, you know, like, make it as far as I can, leveling up, um, and, and, and trying... The, the first boss that you get is just like an, impet- an impenetrable wall. Um, you see the, the, uh, a, a bar, uh, representing the, uh, the health of the boss and you attack it and you've only got one type of attack. It's extremely, you don't have any magic. So it's not like you can really have a strategy here. You've got one person in your party, you attack and it just like takes away a sliver. So you're like, okay, like this is going to be a long night. So you hack at it, hack at it. The enemy, of course, is uh, dealing a lot more damage to you. So you use herbs, which just delays, you know, like it just drags out the, the battle even further. And you hack at it. And eventually you get almost to the end and the bastard heals himself. So you're way behind the eight ball right out the gate. It's dispiriting, and then, like, even if you keep at it, and you hack away, and you make it down, and you, you know, you annihilate, and, like, you you destroy that life bar, guess what? He decides that he's got a second small life bar, so you have to keep going, and it's just like, what the hell is, like, isn't the whole point of representing graphically the health of the boss to show you when you're about to kill him. Like, what's the point if you're going to give him a second life? So I, I, I love Bre- the Breath of Fire series up until mm-hmm. Capcom decided to just, just put it out on a street corner and, and sell it as a mobile game. Sure. Uh, um, but, <laughs> but like, pay like I, your way, Breath of Fire, pay like your but way. The first game is really grindy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like the first game is rough and the second yeah. game, the second game is really good, but, What's funny about that? I remember play like I played Breath of Fire a long, 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 long time ago, and I remember explicitly what you are talking about. And I remember Mm -hmm. being just so happy that a game of that era 
told me how much health the boss had that it lying to me i was like i don't care lie to me whatever just give me something man because you remember all the way up to like even the playstation era like how much health the boss had was just some mystery it's like i don't you don't need to know how much health he has. Just keep hitting him. Eventually he'll die. It's like, right. I, I want to know if I'm making progress. So yeah. it's dispiriting. But at the same time, like at that point, you're like, oh, I can see how much health he has. This is great. Well, no, but it's not true. It's, it's not, not true. I know. It's it's a weird, it's a weird emotion. It's as if, you know, it's as if every boss had like, this isn't even my final form. Except it is. He doesn't do anything new. He just has more health welcome, than you thought. Welcome to Breath of Fire 1. <laughs> Uh, no, it's terrible. And so for the longest time, well, longest, like we're talking hours here, like not, uh, I haven't been playing this for weeks, uh, but for the longest time, like you only have one character in your party. It's super boring. Then you reach the point where you meet the second character you're going to have in your party, except that your, your dude decides to take a nap in her castle. And so you, you control Princess Tina, I think. Something like and, that, yeah. Yeah. And she's got two bodyguards with her, but. So you've got a bigger party this time, but it's still the same kind of slog. She levels up way too slowly, um, and everything is super expensive. Like you, you equip the best equipment that you can find in the the villages. You 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 buy the top of the line gear, and you're still not a match for the bosses. And, and you're gonna those, be broke. Yeah, and you're gonna be broke all the time. And so I could see where this was headed, you know. So I decided uh, to stop playing the the game. As I said, like only a flimsy pretext for for you know an adventure, and uh, it's just it just feels so empty and soulless. The music is really not that good. the The, the music loops are extremely short, and they get annoying really really quickly. The random encounters are are set to like the highest that it could possibly be. <laughs> At some point, I decided to count seconds between the start of a battle and the start of the next one did you get to one i i got to 11 oh wow 11 seconds so i had time in 11 seconds to dispatch an enemy in about two hits he wasn't very that powerful but still so i got in a fight out of it walked a few steps and then got another fight you know what's bad when you actually have to step back and quantify how bad it is Oh, I was joking about it to Karen. Like, okay, so let's see. Like, okay, I'm going to take one, two, three, and I'm going to get in the battle here. And yes, like the battle starts. And it was just constant interruptions. So that, of course, makes exploring not very fun. Uh, There are items very early on to reduce the random encounter rate, but you don't want to do that because you need the leveling up. Yep. Uh, So there's just no way to win. Yeah. Towns are really... uh, The NPCs don't say anything really good like it's not really interesting but also the towns are very empty every house that you go in is basically empty there's no one home there's no one home so why not do like just about any other rpg and and not let you go in those homes you know it's so pointless like your character moves slowly there's a second floor to to go explore quote unquote in those those homes and there's nothing on the second floor it's just (laughs) a pure a pure waste of time so, poor, poor, uh, poor Ryu. The I don't know. Is he the second? Is he? The, I, what? What? What is amazing about this series? I think more than anything is is uh, keep in mind the first game is kind of like Capcom learning to make JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it uh, like what's what's the point where it's supposed where it probably gets really good? Two, like, what's the turning I, point? I I love the shit attitude. Two is two is an unbelievably cool game, and it's it's definitely got problems. Still, it's definitely not. You know, it's not a Square Enix era. Two, I think, was like ninety four or ninety five, mm-hmm. um, which is very late. I mean, that's that's really really late. But it's a really really good game, and and a mm-hmm. lot of times, like, there's stuff there that that it it needs help, like it it needs to evolve in ways that that have its its rivals have passed it by. But like, it's not. It's not just the 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 never ending like we don't know how to make a JRPG. Let's make that blissfully apparent in our game of one. And like I said, mm. I love one. I love that game, but like it's. Uh, I'm not sure you do. Like God, you think you do. Problems. You remember loving it, but uh, if you played it today, I don't think you would. Well, I think I think I would long. still love it. Like mm. I think I can love it as a as a thing that that I like. I wouldn't enjoy playing Pokemon Red for the first time now, but I still love that game. Hmm. 
Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's a- after playing. So I'll, I'll give you a, a similar example. Lufia 1 and 2. Right. Lufia 2 is a masterpiece. Lufia 1 is a goddamn mess. If you try to play them chronologically, Lufia 2 comes first. Mm-hmm. So people who play Lufia 2 to play Lufia 1 so they can see the story links are just miserable because Lufia 2 is so much better than 1. Right. I can still love Lufia 1 and know that it didn't age well at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, Breath of Fire is in that same kind of weird place. Yeah, so I've already put away uh, Breath of Fire 1. Like, I'm not going to keep playing it. And I've started 2, and immediately it's, uh, you know, much better music. Oh, yeah. And uh, the the story is actually kind of, you know, starts uh, on, the, on the right foot, at least, you know? Like, it's... Uh, you're you're this orphan and or not this orphan you've got your your dad with you and you've got your sister but uh you know the, like there's this tragic backstory like your mom died when uh, some enemies uh, attacked and this dragon came in and and you know defeated them and now this dragon is sleeping on a mountain and like behind the village and at some point you have to go look for your sister and she claims that she dreams like her mom comes into her dreams when she sleeps next to the dragon and she's like, oh, why don't you try it? You know, um, you might see mom too. And so you, you take a nap next to the dragon and then you wake up and no one remembers you being there. Like coming from this village, your your dad is like replaced by this other preacher guy. Um, the God seems to have, there's references, explicit references to God that haven't been localized out um, and has been replaced by the Saint Ava character. Um, so already like it's not, you know, the, the traditional... Um, you know, boy with amnesia protagonist or anything. It's actually kind of intriguing, so I'm I'm looking forward to playing more. But I've heard that it's just as grindy as the first game, except it, that already, you know, like a good premise, and I've already got a second character in my party to make things more interesting. It, it's so. it's still grindy, but it's it's better, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, as I said. Yeah. As as someone who's played the game, it's 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 still grindy. But yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, but I don't mind that. Like, I, I, I wanted specifically to play an old school RPG. Yeah, and I get the feeling that this one is just higher quality. Yeah. So also, Ryu turns into a badass in this game. Hey, spoilers. Well, I, I don't need to know that my RPG character is going to get stronger. Well, well, I would, time? I would I mean, say that on. that doesn't always feel seem to apply to all the Ryu's. <laughs> In these games, I see that is that is a weird fluke of the series is that the protagonist is always named Ryu, and he's always mm-hmm. just this dude who is special. Okay, I'm gonna give kind of a real brief update on on uh, Fates. So I'm still playing Birthright. I, well, I'm about to finish Birthright. I'm at the last boss right or the last boss fight right now. It's you know it's it's it is what it is. Um, I, I've I I spoke about how I went and played this game on on um not classic mode on on uh casual mode and uh i, I want to speak a little bit about what that experience is like I'm, I'm this game is definitely less strategic i feel like than awakening but some of the later battles get up there uh, the the last the last uh set of battles that i've been fighting uh, there was a stretch of them where i was fighting in nor and that was that required you to really be able to read the battlefield better than than any point in the game prior i do feel like maybe if you haven't got experience in this franchise then maybe you you'd fight these and go like what 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 just happened why did the game suddenly turn into just just like all right now i'm gonna beat the crap out of you every time you get the opportunity i i just feel like this this game just is just too heavily leveraged on here's more reinforcements here's more reinforcements here's more reinforcements just deal with it and this is something that i actually had a problem with in the last game from this company when it, with Codename Steam where it was just like, here's more enemies all the time coming up behind you. Here's more of them. Have some more. Here's two more enemies. I know you can dispatch them with relative ease, but what if we gave you two more enemies? And it's it's kind of a... It's not yeah, a I, I said it, With Codename Steam, I think a lot of it was to try and sort of make you... you know, Because a lot of the it's co- levels of Codename Steam, the goal is to literally get from one point right. to another rather than to kill everything or uh, that kind of thing. Um, so do you get the feeling that, that it's like that in this, that they're trying to sort of drive you somewhere across the map? Or Yeah, or- definitely. So there's a good example is there's a fight in Norway. Um, in Fire Emblem games, originally they were like Ballista. They'd be like 
specific things on the map that certain classes could use. Like maybe an archer needs to operate a ballista. Maybe there's like a magic orb needs to be operated by some kind of magic user. And there was a stage where it was manned by a magic user right at the front and you, and your starting position is right beyond the beginning part of the level, right beyond the, the edge. So you double back and clear it. So they stop firing on you. And if you leave somebody there to man the thing and just shell the enemies ahead of you as you advance on them, you find that really strong enemies keep spawning right next to that person. And it's really just to dislodge you from sort of shelling and doing my normal strategy of giving the enemy like a really limited bait option and bringing them in and then pouncing on them and just repeating that as I slowly inch my way up the stage. It's very explicitly feels like it's designed to to cause problems for people who play the game my way. And <laughs> the way I play the game is a function of having played pretty much every Fire Emblem game except for the Wii one because I wasn't able to get it. Um, Radiant Dawn. Uh, playing it as conservative because of the permadeath. And playing it with this sort of like gentle baiting strategy. If I'm going to put somebody here, I'm going to draw them to me, and then I'm going to pounce on them. And what that has done is when I now when I look at a Fire Emblem map, I'm reading it for that. I'm reading it for opportunities to pull that maneuver. I'm reading it for, okay, I've got enemies here and here and here and here. I need to clear those guys out for the remainder of my core to be safe in the in the interturn period. I'm not I'm not reading the map like say an ogre battle where I'm playing to aggression. Like in that game, how it how it deals with death, I'm driven towards aggression. Because death isn't a problem in that game. You can undo death. So it's kind of like a weird even even having gone through awakening, like I'm still trying to retrain my brain to how to play that game. I'm still playing it like death matters. So there is a weird like confluence of it. The game isn't as hard as I would like it to be. And also I keep playing it in a way that's really cheesy. Like I'm trying to lame it out and <laughs> it means my time ends up being super ballooned and, and with the map structures of this game, what they are, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to deal with, you know, stuff like trying to make, trying to ship my party with each other and, and make sure I get those sweet, sweet offspring. And I will say, it's not really a spoiler, but this game does pick up Awakenings like, here's a child generation, because that was part of what I think made Awakenings successful to, to the general. Cause remember, in Japan, Awakening is not the first game that had a casual mode. There was that Fire Emblem kind of like quasi remake that came out on DS that had a casual mode. And that did not do what this game did or what Awakening did. So in terms of sales. So what I think the problem I'm running into is that trying to get everybody time together means I'm having to spend time in these grindy battles, which makes me worry that when I go play Conquest and there aren't the grindy battles there, you won't be able to pull it off. And so the the, the child stuff, which I want to talk about real briefly, in Awakening, it makes a lot of sense from a story standpoint. In this game, it is the, it is the craziest effing hand-waving I've ever seen of, I don't know, we need to handle this. There are kids now that grow up. End of end of plot. Next point. It's it's so stupid and so wonderful that I just kind of enjoy it for what it is. Now I'm I've been down on this game a lot when I talk about it on the show, but I am enjoying it. I, I mean, I've logged thirty three hours in it since it came out. Like I've put the time in, um, and I'm planning on buying Birthright. I'm planning on buying what's that third path? Conquest. No, conquest of revelation. You mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm playing yeah. conquest, and then eventually revelations. Um, I'm told revelations is easier, which makes you want to buy it next. But at the same time, like I'm told that I should play conquest first, so I guess I'll just play conquest and take a step down. But it's, it's. I'm not. I'm not gonna play them all at once. I think if if awakening had pulled the like, here's three modes of the same game or of a similar game, I probably would have ripped through all three awakenings back to back to back. But I think this one just doesn't quite get the hooks in the same way, which is a shame. But it's still it's still a very good game. And I will say, damn, this game sold a lot of copies. Like, damn. Yeah. Damn it. It, 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 it. Nintendo has made a lot of money on this game. Yep. Across all three of them, it was only behind uh, Far Cry Primal and Black Ops 3. Yep. And keep in mind that one of them, that a lot of people are buying the second version digitally, which mm-hmm. doesn't count the MPD numbers. 
Yeah, because I mean, Nintendo very explicitly kind of encouraged that with the pricing, didn't they? You know, the right. fact that you sort of could buy that second path for what's it half the price of the, the physical? Like yeah, nineteen ninety nine US. Yeah, so it's and there's two more versions and plus normal DLC. They are making fat stacks on this game, so good on them. You know, do you make that money? Get intelligent systems, some more staff, so they can make games that that I want to play of a certain franchise they haven't made a game in in a while that there was a DS game, even though it said advanced in the title. <laughs> yeah. Picross 2? Yeah. <laughs> Intelligent Systems presents advanced Picross 2. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. I, I, I would really like another Advance War sometime soon. Um, I, I really like Days of Ruin, but it just seemed like it was reflective of a thing. They didn't really know what to do with it. It like got more popular in western markets than it was in japan at that yeah. point so they were kind of like do we make it darker and you know it, uh, it turned into the the angry kirby of the advanced war series it's uh, still it pretty don't... insane if you play it's it still it plenty yeah, anime is. i mean yes it's post-apocalypse mm. and stuff it's not as cheerful as the other advanced wars games but it is not like it just becomes this humorless po-face sort of thing well, like, yeah like, and it, i think that's why the analogy works because it, it's still it's still effing kirby like he's yeah. wearing an angry face, but he's still a pink ball. <laughs> by the way, yeah. By the way, just a follow-up. He's it's the same box art everywhere this time. But he, uh, he's not. He's not. He's not just angry. Angry. He's like. He's like happy. Angry about how much. Yeah, ass he's he about does. To he kick. looks like he's going to enjoy messing shit up in his giant mech. That that's how yeah. I read it. Yeah, rather yep. just angry. As it's good some, for him. Good for boxes. him. I'm proud. I'm proud that he finally gets the opportunity to mess shit up in a giant mech. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I, I, I've spoken down on this game a little bit. This is still a really, a really well-made game. Um, I, I'm enjoying. <laughs> oh God, don't, don't let John say that again. No, no, I'm, just... I'm, no, I'm, I'm enjoying what they made. There's just, there's just some stuff where it still I don't. Sounds like a, like a, it still sounds like a backhanded insult. There's just some. There's uh, just. Oh, you mean a backhanded compliment? No, it's a front-handed no, insult, John. It's a backhanded insult. <laughs> I meant there's exactly just, what I said. There, there, there's just some stuff in here that I think in in the missions for it for birthright that could have been done better. Is ultimately what it comes down to. That's all. And and as such, it's just not quite hooking the same way. I'm feeling and, better and better about the idea of just going straight to conquest. Yeah, con- I, I think I think maybe I could have gotten away with that and been fine. Um, I I just I also missed the tactician class. God, that class was so overpowered. It was so stupid. It's just it's just a dumb class, and I miss having it. But that's that's fine. So, uh, but I, I suspect when whence next we speak, I'll either have moved on to conquest or I'll be taking a break. But I will have definitely finished the game, so. Greg. Yep, well, I kind of feel obliged to talk a little bit about Twilight Princess HD, even though I haven't played it a whole lot yet, just to get one non-RPG <laughs> in into the conversation. <laughs> we, we've, we've been warned if it, we have telegraphed the shit out of this, but yes, it's real. The storm is real. <laughs> the uh, maelstrom. Uh, yeah, Jim Cantorius, Greg. Come on, buddy. Well, but, just, uh, just wait till I have Project Cross Zone 2 next week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Twilight Princess, uh, I've got... got played like the first couple of dungeons so i'll probably get more to it next week um when i've got a bit i mean obviously the game's a known quantity but i'd still rather see more of it uh to sort of give in-depth thoughts but the surface level stuff you know clearly the the textures have been improved and the lighting and things but the, the that can't disguise the sort of basicness of the uh, geometry of the environments and in some ways it makes it more apparent so it definitely looks nicer but it's a little weird at the same time um but uh, i guess the main thing is that i did play both versions of this nine years ago because a friend was kind enough to loan me the gamecube version um and i and there really was i didn't have an unambiguous favorite you know we had widescreen and it had pointer aiming which was i really liked uh, but then gamecube had the world the correct way around it had camera control with the c-stick and it didn't have the silly gesture controls for sword fighting so it it's nice to have a a version now that straight away 
believe that that has pretty much the best of both worlds. You don't have pointer aiming, but the gyro stuff I find is very good, just as it was in Wind Waker HD and all that kind of thing. So no, I'm in. Uh, I, I, the 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 beginning is is as slow as you remember it, even though I think they might have done a little bit of trimming. Um, and I did notice some performance issues uh, when playing off TV. Very early on, um, when you're going through the woods and there's that kind of uh, poisonous fog uh, around uh, one particular area, it just it started slowing down. I've read a little bit into it, and it seems there's other places where, for whatever reason, when you're playing it off TV, is where it sort of chugs a little bit, whereas not so much on the telly, even though it's not as if it's showing them both. Uh, you know, it's not displaying on both screens when you're playing it off TV, so I'm not exactly sure why the performance would deteriorate like that. It's not something I've encountered in a lot of games um, on Wii, uh, Wii U, but um, so that's a bit of a downside. But I, at least you know, for the, for now, I'm trying to play it mostly on TV because you want to appreciate the, the new graphics, obviously. Uh, it's kind of a big deal, given the, the title of the game. Um, but uh, to move on to what I've been pouring most, a hell of a lot of time in, actually, is Bravely Second, the uh, my contribution to the RPG uh, Maelstrom here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is certainly very much Bravely Default-ish. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, because it's set in the same world, a lot of the same characters, it, and it reprises a lot of stuff from that game. Um, you know, there, there are new locations. There's some really kind of cool new locations. Some that sort of draw more on kind of Japanese inspiration rather than the sort of more typical kind of fantasy stuff, which is nice to see. But um, you know, the, the all the old, pretty much all the old locations you're going to see. You're going to go through old dungeons. Uh, from the first game, you know, you, you'll have options to fight some of the, uh, old bosses in side quests, which you can, which, I mean, they're very kind of, they're enticing because they're going to give you new jobs. Uh, well, well, they're jobs from the old game, but they're new to you in this one. Um, mm. and, and so, and that for me is kind of the big thing about the game is, is, is building up that, uh, whole, sort of roster of jobs and experimenting and mixing and matching and finding combinations that you enjoy or are effective or for particular things so you know th- those side quests so i guess you could skip them out if you if you want to kind of push the game along faster but for me doing those getting extra jobs and building up extra experience i've managed to kind of glide along through the game feeling like i'm pretty well matched for you know what's going on at all moments i mean the thing that's nice now is they've made a few more things transparent by for instance when you're in a dungeon it will have a recommended level range you know usually about four five levels wide uh you know to say well are you underpowered are you just right or are you overpowered for this particular area so with that as a guide especially i've been kind of maintaining a nice kind of progression path and really haven't found anywhere where i'm like okay i wanna i'm gonna have to just sort of stop what i'm doing and just grind out i mean obviously it's all you know you're kind of always fighting enemies and stuff for trying to build up experience and all that but in terms of just like the strictest kind of purist uh, sense of grinding i haven't really had to do that very much because um, like i said doing the side stuff has kind of kept me on the right track um and i get there was a little bit of a controversy about the side things uh, the side quests in this game what they do they involve picking uh, a, a side between uh, two of the asterisk holders from a pre- from the previous game where some sort of dilemma is kind of uh, they, they, they one of them thinks one thing should happen uh, the other is opposed and and you have to choose and then that's going to decide which one which asterisk you're going to get out of the two um so i guess there's like some people might pick based on their preference in the story and then other people might say i just want this job you know, that's what I want. That was very much what I was picking based on, is what job I felt might be useful at a given moment. But the controversy came because there was some chat, and I don't know how substantiated this is, that um, in the original Japanese version, these choices, like, there was clearly sort of one which to end would turn out better, story-wise, than the other. And that somewhere in the localization, like, they both turned out well. Um, regardless of uh, what you chose, um, which hmm. I think is kind of interesting, but I, I'm not like again, I'm not being able to verify sort of how strictly true this is. Um, but um, 
obviously just haven't played what the, this version of the game but i could kind of see it from the point of view that there is some kind of political and social kind of topics that come in here like literally the size of government is one of them <laughs> like that. it's like well you know yes we've got this sort of really nice welfare state that looks after the kids and stuff but the taxes are really high do we know we need to reform this like that is one of the dilemmas in the game you know so i guess they might be a bit if, if one of those was sort of perceived to be the wrong outcome that might be like the game getting political and maybe they just don't want to do that in the west or something i don't know but i thought that was kind of funny i mean it's a weird thing story-wise because it's so goofy in many respects in i think the cast of enemies are the sort of the baddies in this they come out at the start seeming even goofier than in the last game but systematically you hear some absolutely horrible backstory about them that kind of explains how they've you know come to be in this position they are so it's kind of weird i don't know whether it really works it doesn't quite sort of come together like it's kind of hard to reconcile the silliness of a girl that speaks only in cat puns with this absolutely harrowing backstory she's got but you know i guess it's kind of nice that it's not totally one though even if it doesn't quite hang together but i mean i didn't really play the first game for the story um i'd say this time the story isn't necessarily that much better or anything but i feel like i've got on with it better because the cast is a little less irritating like basically right. on the- i heard that they really cut down on the uh lecherous uh well yeah ring a bell's characters. not out of the picture and that was his thing, mostly. That was his shtick. Like, Ring a Bell, and I was kind of conflicted about it because he probably had the most interesting sort of development of, of any of the characters because of, you know, the, again, he was this sort of dumb, dopey character, but he ended up that he had this heartbreaking backstory, um, which is like something, like I said, they do a lot in this game in particular. But yeah, because that was like his his thing, they just kept beating that into the ground over and over again. And with him out, mostly out of the picture, you don't get that this time. Uh, and then uh, Agnes is sort of moved into the background. You're trying to rescue her. So, uh, again, I thought she was kind of irritating in the last one. I didn't really care for her character. So the new characters, Magnolia and you, uh, are not like great characters or anything, but I just kind of find them more agreeable. I mean, it's still mm. a very kind of... Uh, less than economical with its storytelling shall we say <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they dwell on stuff longer than i'd like um you know and they so like again they do have characters that have these sort of particular characteristics that they want to beat into the ground and there is so much talk about food 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 i mean at least unlike in xenoblade that you know they are actually eating <laughs> you know <they're> getting, <laughs> getting nutrition from this stuff presumably but still it's uh, a preoccupation that kind of wears on you after a while but the main thing for me about this game that i've really enjoyed is, uh i think i'm getting pretty close to the end though that can be a dangerous assumption to make with games in this series but the main thing i've really enjoyed is the new jobs um the the they the, i've i've I, yes i did the side quests i got some of the old jobs and i could sprinkle them in here and there but the new ones are, are really interesting and it's helped by the fact that you get at this time it's very upfront with i don't think i think this is different anyway but it's, it's been a while it's been a couple of years since i played the first game there but they actually when you have a job uh you know once you've unlocked a job you can actually see the progression of uh, things that are going to unlock as you go through job levels so it like you could, even though it's a new job you know you didn't play in the previous game i, I am not played like a lot of these sorts of games in the past or anything to know exactly what it's going to pan out like you at least have some sort of sort of oh you know that looks interesting if i get you know that if i develop it that far i'm going to get this ability that might pair up nicely with this thing i've already got you know and it allows you to do a little bit of forward planning without going full like what john was going on about min max in his pokemon back in 98 or whatever um you know <laughs> a healthy balanced amount of forward planning 
keeping it fun. Um, you know, and so I've got some interesting combinations like a sort of ninja patissia is a good one. Uh, you know, <laughs> like this person with a big sort of chef's hat holding two daggers very threateningly, throwing cakes in people's faces to debuff them. Um, and we got Catmancer, of course, or as Eurogamer review suggested, it should have been called Nicomancer. Um, is uh, is really kind of a wild card class, and it's got this sort of interesting part where the abilities you have are, are based on consumables, these sort of cat food items, but you have to learn them from monsters first. A monster has you, has a particular monster, you get a, a, a bit in your sort of diary that tells you all the different monsters you can lo- learn these abilities from. And so if you counter them, then they've got to actually hit you with that particular ability, your party anyway, not necessarily that character specifically. Um, to learn that ability, and then that can become this really big list of moves incredibly versatile all sorts of different things debuffs uh you know magical attacks physical attacks all sorts of crazy stuff uh mixed in that can sort of get you out of uh, when you're in a pinch uh if it's something you didn't kind of foresee or whatever and it actually gives you a little more of an incentive to explore around a bit because i mean it's really not about exploration this game at all in general certainly not the way i play it i mean i think it's quite a flexible game isn't it you know so many things you can adjust and customize to your liking but in general there's not a huge amount of incentive to um explore but for me looking through these things and thinking oh well you know like the innate ability of the catmancer is to put everyone to sleep but then there's a high level ability that you can get if you find the right enemy that will kill everything that falls asleep so you could you know this this could just wipe you know sort of a mob of enemies out very quickly so that that encouraged me to start going around exploring just the overworld to find where this enemy was going to be um, which is not really something any of the other uh, the game, uh, you know, any other aspect of the game really encourages you to do. I, I've got to say, so it was it's not just like the way you use it was was different, but actually just you know the whole kind of progression path wasn't just about you know watching the meters go up. It was actually about kind of setting out into the world and uh, picking up these abilities. And in some cases, like if it's a buff kind of ability. What you, what you have to do is like char. I use my patissia to charm the enemy into casting a buff on us, so that we would learn it. You know things like that. It, it. I really like that. It was very different. Um, and it, that, that, there's a lot of the Exorcist class is another new one which has the ability to undo stuff. Which if you combine it, for instance, you can undo someone's um, brave points. You know, so say for instance, someone burns through all their turns you can just reset it back and then they can burn through them again. So if you've got a situation where, for instance, you're attacking a boss with a very slim window to really get your licks in, that can almost you know, double the amount of damage you might do in that period of time and you know, it could be extremely beneficial. So that's another class that's cool. There's some you know, even that look cool that I haven't got into, like uh, um, the, I think it's the Guardian class where you actually possess other characters. Um, you know, they, they, These jobs are really fun to experiment with and uh, I guess the biggest thing is just ultimately the most kind of the, the the apex of where they get put to the test is in the boss fights. You know, I mean, the, this game's got quite a liberal attitude towards, you know, the way you could manipulate the encounters at will and all that. The dungeons aren't really that meaningful. I mean, the the pretty basic designs, and I guess they're designed around the idea of well, if you want to explore, it's gonna you know, take you, you know, you'll end up taking more footsteps and that's going to get you into more encounters. But like I said, you can manipulate that. So it's not really a big deal. I kind of liken it to if you had a very sort of hands off approach to teaching something, you know, like a, a course at a, a, a university. So it was like, well, you know, you don't have to come to all the lectures you know, if you don't want to, um, as long as you can pass the exam at the end, which is the boss, essentially. Um, you know, and that's the thing. Sometimes I've kind of, I've generally stuck with the rule of like as i explore a dungeon i'll have the encounters on and then if i if i then have it mapped it out wanted to go back somewhere because i think there might be something else but then i might turn them off because uh, i don't want to 
get too repetitive or whatever. And that's kept me on a good path. But everybody can play it sort of differently as long as they can get past the mandatory encounters that are the boss fights. And, um, you know, they've been pretty good uh, up to this point. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't have minded maybe a few more that were different rather than, you know, so many kind of asterisk holders, maybe some more kind of giant monstery boss battles. So there are quite a few and certainly even more if you're looking into some of the extra stuff. But, um, you know, they are kind of the meat of the game for me. What, what I haven't done that much of is like the ball stuff, you know, that, that comes through street pass and all that. Like, so there's, I guess there's plenty of extra bosses you could take on if you, if you feel like it. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed this, but I don't think it's really going to convert anybody that didn't enjoy Bravely Default the first time. It's, it's very much the same sort of game seemingly without anything quite as egregious as what you had in the back half of that game but bear in mind there's plenty of recycling kind of throughout this time uh because you you of the references from the first game if you've played it if you haven't played that then i think this this could be a good place to jump in because it will all be more fresh and it's certainly you know quite substantial at that point but the new stuff's good and i i've still been enjoying it and um you know the story it doesn't get too much in the way so yeah i mean uh it's I, I, it was a bit of a it was a conservative pick on my part you know given all the rpg options i've got but i don't regret it at all because it certainly you know it's delivered what i was looking for it to deliver cool so i think that's going to do it for this week you know as i mentioned at the top of the show we've put a lot of podcast content into your podcast player of choice in the last week and to, to paraphrase Guillaume, I'm not really feeling it. So, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with new business this week, and we will pick it up with email next week. You can send us your emails to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. And unless anybody has any closing thoughts they want to end the show with, I don't think we have any plugs this week. So, on that, we are going to end the show appropriately with some music from Bravely Default, specifically Baby Bird, which is Adia's theme. Bye, everybody. Bye. Later. Bye-bye. Is James still here? What is going on? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm pondering the possibility that I put James to sleep. Let me see if I can text him and see what he's doing. I'm pretty sure I put him to sleep. He, I, 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 I don't know. He sounded good. I, I don't think it's possible. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's gotta be. I just texted him. We'll see what he comes back with. I don't, I don't as know. I, as I, you know, obviously, because he would have got edited. Because in my time, that hasn't happened before. Um, has anybody, did it Did it ever happen while I was away? Did anyone put anyone else to sleep? It could be a first.